three, two, one. My son is actually a really, really good beatboxer. I'm not that good. I just got like the little Donald Duck scratching record deal and then like loud bass drops. But my son, he's got the little intricate thing going down. Annoys all of his siblings, but it's still dope. He's good. He's good. Welcome to another show of Pastor with no answers and you know what i do sometimes when i'm feeling down i just play this clip right here yeah and before either one of y'all needs to tell me i am aware that i'm white i'm male and i'm straight (laughs) (laughs) i know i know i know yeah you're also very attractive i'm gonna add that did you hear that jason petty propaganda like a cool ass dude thinks i'm good looking listen again you're also very attractive you're also very attractive you're also very attractive (laughs) i ain't gonna lie (laughs) i ain't gonna lie man made me feel a little good made me feel a little good oh man guys i'm happy to bring you some you know interesting content we start off with some serious dialogue about pastors and suicide and mental health with old Chip Judd. Oh, just about a seven or eight minute conversation before we bring to you Mr. Preachers and Sneakers himself, who actually has a book out. The Preachers and Sneakers dude has a book out. It is called... Preachers and Sneakers, Authenticity in an Age of For-Profit Faith and Wannabe Celebrities. Man, 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 man. It is really starting to feel like a joke out there. And then sometimes a nightmare. And I say it's starting to. eh, It's been feeling this way for a long time. So... We talk about our love for the church, our love for these celebrity individuals, and our hatred for the celebrity culture. We also have in the show notes a link for you to join the Pastor With No Answers discussion Facebook page. I'm going to be honest with you. I think this is one of my... I don't, even, I don't want to say it's something that I'm most proud of because I'm just one of the contributors, but it's one of the most proudest things that I'm a part of, and that is I do feel like this podcast has helped create a community of more conservative theological thinkers and more liberal theological thinkers who discuss and dialogue with respect not demonization, not ridiculization. I know that's not a word, but I like it. I like it. And I like that Facebook group. We actually had a little poll on the last episode with Chris Date and Chip Judd debating about Calvinism. Can I get an amen if anyone out there got a big old headache trying to wrap your mind around what the hell Chris Date was trying to say? And I say that honestly in a very loving way that dude is smart the dude is smart 
And so that's why part of me just kind of assumed, man, is the light bulb not going off in my head? Because I just don't get it. Love both of those guys. But on that Facebook discussion page, Chris State is way behind in votes. Chip is definitely seen as the victor. And most people are with me. They didn't really understand Chris Date and how you could literally bring together God choosing where people spend eternity and people choosing God in order to determine their eternity. Don't know how those two things come together. I don't even see eternity in the same way anyway. But that's whole different discussion that we've had many times and will have many more times. I ramble and ramble and ramble and ramble. Here we have Chip Judd talking about pastors and suicide. Love you guys. Check out the show notes to join that Facebook group and have a good one. Peace. So Ironically, and I and I'm not not for anything am I going to say I was like super close to these guys, but did have a friendship. One of them was mainly through texting. He was like the most bubbly, encouraging person that I texted with, and that's uh, Jared Wilson, who took his life in September, right in the middle of what I was going through. And, uh, and then obviously our friend Darren Patrick at Seacoast that took his life, uh, Mm -hmm. more recently this year in the past few months. And there, I, what I, what I can't wrap my mind around is, is for me, I don't see the pastoral role as a snare for me. I had jacked up thoughts in elementary school. I had jacked up thoughts in middle school. I mean, how embarrassing is this? The first time I kissed Priscilla, I woke up the next morning and was so OCD and anxious about wondering whether or not it really happened, but it was too embarrassing to ask Priscilla, did that really happen? And so I literally could not take pleasure in the fact that we had our first kiss. Like that's my mind has always been so jacked up. I had little rituals that I would do with my feet that were <laughs> that centered around the number seven because that was God's number. I mean, this 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 dude Joey, did not Joey, become. You don't have to share everything. <laughs> I, I just got started. I got like ten more. <laughs> you're, so you're, you're scaring your listeners now. <laughs> so so all all this to say is. If the pastoral role is a, a, is a challenge for people, I don't see how that fits in me. And I, I don't feel like that's something I need to defend. Maybe it is, but I, I don't see that. But there does seem to be something, and, and it, it's possibly because I'm not a famous pastor, like those two people that we, we that uh, Jared and, and Darren had a certain level of, of fame, I guess, and notoriety. But my question to you is, is there not that big of a correlation with suicide and pastors? Is it just so easy to point to the few ones and say, oh, there's a big correlation, and, and then maybe you can do that with any profession? Well, look at all these police officers that are killing themselves. Man, the police, being on the police force causes suicide. And so I, I guess I want to ask that question first is, are, are we making, is, is there a correlation with pastors and mental illness and suicide and then I, I kind of have a follow-up question that I think is is relatively important. 
if there if there is a, a relationship between the two, it would be it would not be causative. In other words, it's not one causes the other. Um, I, I don't I don't buy that. Here's the thing about men in general: men in general don't ask for help well. And then there's obviously areas that are harder to ask for help. Like we'll start at the worst one, a guy who's having sexual performance issues. That's hard to ask for help. Um, it's just hard. It's like, whatever. Well, mental health falls kind of down on that end of the spectrum where uh, it's, it's tricky to ask for help. We, um, you know, in the church, especially like you said, if you're on the, the higher end of the success spectrum, um, you know, we've created a culture where it makes it even harder to ask for help. I don't think there's anything intrinsically about pastoring that makes it harder. In other words, that makes it more uh, um, connected to suicide and things of that sort. How about um, how the system is set up then with people needing not a pastor, but a Messiah that doesn't make mistakes. And please don't talk about your mistakes in front of us because we need you to be that. Like, isn't there something jacked up about our system that, that puts pastors? Cause I, I, I run away from that. I, I recognize that there's some level of leadership giftings that God's given me that maybe falls into a pastoral role that, that Priscilla has and other people have. But as far as me being like this distinct, stronger, wiser, I mean, we found that out last year that that's not the case, <laughs> but it seems like that's what people want. And it seems like that's what pastors feel they are expected to do. I mean, do you think that, I, yeah. I guess I mean, I'm trying it, to make a case for something being jacked up. Well, I, I didn't say it wasn't jacked up. The, the system's very jacked up. Um, but my point is that's not necessarily an issue with the profession of pastoring. It's an issue with what we tolerate hmm. and, and, and what we, what we accept is okay and normal and whatever. And, um, uh, you know, no, yeah, I agree. It's jacked up, but, but here's the thing, guys. Um, I don't know what the stats would be on this, but mental illness is, you cannot commit suicide and not be at least temporarily insane. It's, it's not possible. How in the world could you be in your right mind and do that? Now, what I, a guy like me would look for is, you know, historical markers, you know, is there multi-generational indications of issues, which, which honestly, there almost always are. Um, are there uh, life patterns? Um, and then let's say, let's say, you know, that's not real solid. Let's say it's not showing up. Then what you look for is, is there something going on in the last stretch of time, which could be as short as a week or a month and as long as a year or two, that has put this position, this person in a position where in their head, they don't see any other way out. Now, um, that's kind of a, a form of insanity, not mental health qualifying for a diagnosis, but obviously there's always a better solution than that. But at that moment, it must make sense. So, so for me, I don't know anything about, in fact, I don't even want to go there to talk about specifics. I would feel safe to say that anyone who committed suicide 
I would feel comfortable. The vast majority have dealt with mental health issues for a prolonged period of time. And there's probably a family history, probably. And the, the other minority would be there's something going on that is built up to the place that that person doesn't believe it's resolvable. And checking out is, is deemed or seen as a better solution than going through it. Yeah, the lesser of the two evils. Yeah. Okay. The Preachers and Sneakers Guy. Is that... Are we just going to... Well, you know what? Since since you don't want people knowing your name, and this is my podcast, your name is Victor. All right. Vic. All right. Yeah. We got Vic. Vic. We got Vic on here. Vic, you you know who Jack Hoy is. He's been uh, highlighted on Preachers and Sneakers at tons of times. Several times, actually. <laughs> it's been obscene, honestly. It's been pretty obscene. I think, you know, if you took every article of clothing that I own and every article of clothing that I have owned and probably every article of clothing I will own and you added the value of all of those together, I could maybe buy one shoe. <laughs> Same, hey, you know, probably. Uh, yeah, a, a little bit, Vic. Uh, I love this Victor thing, man. This is great. Vic, yeah, I might actually uh, switch it because I've been going by Tyler in the media and it's not a good name whatsoever. <laughs> Victor at least got some culture to it. So, so Jack, a little background on him is I bet you that you have had on your Preachers and Sneakers Instagram some pastors who he does research and sermon. Do, do you write their sermons too or is it just research? Just research. Now, writing their sermons is what people think I do, but I, I don't do that. I, I do research yeah. and kind of, you know, consult a little bit. Well, let me ask you, have you seen any of those pastors on Preachers and Sneakers? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. That's what I figured. Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> so, yeah, and my big thing about that, too, and and Jack would even disagree with me, is I, I feel like those guys need to every now and then mention, hey, I've got someone that researches for me. I'm not, I, you know, I just, I can't stand when the pastors say, yeah, a lot of people don't know, but back in 300 BC, the culture was blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, whoa, that dude is so smart. Once in a while, <laughs> come on. Just well, you know, say, I, I got a researcher. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, you know, I will say, I just want to say one, one of them has, actually. So, okay. so I actually, I, so uh, at, um, oh, I think it was the VU conference, uh, Judah Smith uh, mentioned me by name, actually. I was really surprised. Um, That's right. And so no, he and he said exactly kind of what what he does, what what our relationship is. He didn't downplay it. He didn't say, ah, oh, yeah, sometimes not. I mean, he says like, hey, every week this guy hits me up, and I'll you know. So I was actually really surprised, and not because it's like, oh, wow, I can't you know believe I actually you know got some credit all, but it's just the, um, you know, some of those guys are insecure about it. Most of the guys I work for, they're not really, and they wouldn't care. It's more of a unless they're going to say who I am, I'm not just going to go around saying you know, what I do. So Jude has actually, actually mentioned me by name. That's yeah. dope. I'm actually interviewing him next week. Oh, really? As part of my audiobook, we're like making it a bonus thing, Sweet. which he was kind enough to, you know, he's in that crew. He's like Justin Bieber's homeboy. And so, uh, I, it was really cool of him to agree to do it because I think a lot of those guys, as you said, probably wouldn't be super secure about being on my podcast either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what's your background, Jack? Are you a literary guy or are you a, theology guy why are why are you everybody's uh muse 
You know, uh, so boy, that's a that's a great question. He's so, a nerd. He's just a uh, nerd. yes. That that's a good way of saying it. Theology guys, what everyone thinks I am. So I, you know, when I got my master's, I actually got my master's in uh, basically church history. And so, you know, did some Bible, did some, you know, languages, did some theology, but really the the thing that I'm, if I'm an expert in anything, it's history. And so after I got my master's and kind of came back down here, uh, I got, you know, kind of connected with uh, a research firm that does research for pastors. And some of these guys, it's like, Hey, I'm, you know, I, I suddenly find myself running this huge church and I did my own research for 20 years and I don't have the time to do it anymore. You know, and then there are guys who's like, you know, I haven't been to, I've never been to Bible school. I don't know really how to do any of this. Um, can you help me? And then there are, you know, some people that, uh, I mean, and I, I would say I haven't worked for any in this category, but you know, there, there are some people who's like, I just can't be bothered to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I would say the majority are guys who really wish they had the time to do it. They just find themselves running these massive organizations they never planned on. Uh, and suddenly, you know, preparing for a sermon is like a luxury. So I just kind of started doing that with that crew. And then I just been, you know, doing it for a, a long, long time. That's cool. <laughs> it's hey, uh, so, interesting. Yeah. So, so Vic, I have to admit that the last time I looked through Preachers and Sneakers, it just bummed me out, man. Like, I, I think that I, I, I'm going to guess, and I want to hear a little bit here in a second, but I'm going to guess we're all three in similar territories. We don't hate the church. We don't hate mega churches. We don't hate celebrity pastors. We're not anti all of that stuff, but Correct. we're also probably bothered, annoyed, oftentimes of some of the stuff that gets entangled in our faith. But last time I, I just, it just bummed me out. Cause I was, it just, I just don't know. Like when I see, uh, you know, I was talking to some, some uh, folks that I work with right outside the door. And I, I was like, you know, if someone, if someone gave me a pair of $2,000 shoes. I put it on eBay. Like I, I, it would just make me feel weird to wear a jacket that was $1,200. I just don't get the point. And it was so funny, man. I went on your website just now and you actually have a t-shirt that says it was a gift or something. It, is, <laughs> yeah, is that what yeah. it says? It was yeah, a gift. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I am, I am curious because it seems like the last time I talked to you on Bad Christian, you, you are, you are not anti these guys. Like you're, you're not bitter. It doesn't seem like you, I, I think a lot of people assume that you're, you're this guy sitting behind it's a computer. It's just like, I'm going to, I'm going to nail these guys because I can't stand the church. I can't stand mega churches. Yeah, like what's your, what's your posture with these people that, we all have fun seeing how much they spent on stuff or they were given. Yeah, they, they absolutely do think I'm just like a troll that right. gets his jollies from like poking fun at, at stuff. Uh, it's pretty multi-layered because there's some elements of like bona fide prosperity preachers that infuriate me because there's a I'm learning that there's a, a side of me that really appreciates justice. And to me, it seems like when people are getting taken advantage of, I want to see justice uh, imparted upon those people because it's yeah. just, it seems evil to me. The idea that God is your ATM. And if you're worshiping a God that's so simple like that, that it's transactionary, I don't know if that's a word, that's a miserable God to follow because that's like a little genie that you're following. And so when people are getting rich off of that, that pisses me off. But the, the majority of people that end up on the account or that are in the whole celebrity space, it's more like a lot of it's personal preference. There's some people that are, that are hardcore theology 
um, what's the word, uh, advocates that are saying, no, dude, like this motivational stuff is, uh, false teaching is heretical, all that kind of thing. I don't, I don't think that by any means. I do think that our church, big C church is very obsessed with, uh, beautiful people, celebrity, the most, you know, uh, entertaining talkers, the most high production sermons, all that kind of stuff. And collectively, I think we're pretty obsessed with that kind of stuff. And it makes a whole lot of all, it makes much of a lot of other stuff that isn't Jesus. And so I just want to be the type of person that gets people to ask, Hey, is this the best way to do church. And when we talked on bad Christian, that was kind of like at the peak of people freaking out about the account and everyone having this like existential crisis about like, what do I <laughs> believe about how much is too much and what pastors can wear? And this asshole that's on Instagram, who is he to say all these kind of things? And at the same time, I was going through all that same stuff too, because it, I had as an idiot, not knowing anything, I just posted these pictures and people, uh, essentially assigned all this motive to it. Right. And um and so I was still going through that. But now, you know, we're essentially two years later. I I think that the Western modern church is obsessed with a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. Uh I don't think any of it's bad in a vacuum. I just think as a collective, it uh elevates a whole lot of people and a whole lot of stuff more than the one everyone's supposed to be pointing to. And so I care about that. And I also care about making people laugh, making people ask questions that maybe they hadn't thought to ask themselves. And, um, you know, I also like sneakers. It's a cool culture to me. So yeah, those are all the things that I yeah think and feel about it. Yeah, I bet you, I bet you it's been fun learning about shoes. Like I personally don't know where you can even get these kinds of shoes. I guess you order them online because I've never seen an $800 pair of shoes at the store. Uh, so. the, the designer stuff, you can probably go pick up at a store, but all of the actual like hype sneakers that are reselling for all these high prices, you yeah. have to know somebody, have to get lucky in a raffle or pay resale, which is uh, the worst way to get it because you're essentially paying 5 10x what the shoe costs. Yeah. Yeah. Jack, so I, I'm curious, and I don't know how to ask this question, so I'll just put it this way. Where do you draw the line? Like, do you think that it is – so let's just start here. Let's 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 be very black and white. Do you think it's wrong for a pastor to get up in front of a bunch of people on a Sunday morning to speak about the gospel and hope in Jesus, and he's wearing $10,000 worth of clothes? Is that wrong? You know, well, let, let me go back to something that um, I, I think I can't remember. I think you expressed the sentiment, but maybe maybe Victor said it. Uh, I'm all in on on the Victor. Um, <laughs> Good, we're all in on accord. Uh, you know, I, one of you said, you know, I, I don't hate celebrity pastors, and right, like I, I don't hate celebrity pastors, but but I've I'm at the point, and again, I've you know I've known several of these guys, still do work for some of them. Um, for years. And I'm just at the point where I actually do hate celebrity. Um, uh, and I do hate the concept of a celebrity pastor. Um, I, and so from that perspective, I just, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll give a little plug to our church. I was reviewing, um, a video, um, for, you know, one of the videos that my team is making at Seacoast. 
And I, I, it's a, it's just a five minute countdown goes into the service. And I just commented to our, commented to our video directors, like, you know, I didn't even realize until I got to the four and a half minute mark that not a single one of like our lead pastors was in this video until the very end. And I love that I didn't notice it. And, you know, and we're not a small church. Um, but I think we're also a church that kind of regards the idea of like any of us being celebrities is kind of hilarious. Um, and, and I think, you know, so, so the idea is like, is it wrong to get in front of a, up in front of a, you know, congregation wearing X dollar amount of clothes? I don't know. And, and here's what I would say. It's like, would it be wrong for a pastor to get up in front of his congregation wearing $10,000 worth of clothes if his congregation is a poor inner city congregation? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably real wrong. It is is it wrong if, you know, a substantial number of his audience are, you know, they couldn't wear that, but what they could wear is plenty nice? I don't know. You know, I, I think that's got to inform part of it is, um, you know, it's like, what what is the difference between what they are able to do, what they, what their standard of living is and the standard of living of their, of the people they're responsible for. And, and one of the things that really drives me crazy about like our culture in general, but in a really sense of church culture is those pastors are responsible for their congregation. And, you know, there's this thing where it's like, you know, like that, that whatever, you know, reporter for the New York times who offered some apologies, like, why is he apologizing to me? I didn't like, why are these people apologizing to like this, this mass, like humanity, you know, and there's just something very weird about the apology culture of like, well, you need to apologize for what you did to all of us. And I think there's something similar in the sense of like, you know, judging pastors based on what they do and how they act and what they say. It's like, look, I'm, he's not my pastor. I'm not responsible for this guy. Um, and so, so I think that that's part of it in the sense of like, look, you know, if, if he is in a healthy culture, he's got, uh, people that he is accountable to and I'm not one of them. Um, and so, and so I, th- I think, you know, that's a big part of it too. Um, I- I'll say like one of the things that really, the thing that bums me out about the, the account is I think I would be a lot more okay with it if so much of the stuff wasn't just so ugly. Uh, like, you know, like if, if, if this was like an account and everyone dressed like, you know, Cary Grant or someone from the fifties, I'd be like, Hey, I don't care how much any of that costs. They look fantastic. Right. Uh, that's what bums me out. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting thing because I, I've been criticized for that too. Like Matthew 18, like, who are you? Like you should have gone to these guys in private, but there's also some element. Several people have told me that there's also this element of, putting you choosing to put your life on display and right. accept the benefits of a huge platform. And in turn, like he, they aren't our pastors, but they do represent seemingly our same faith at a scale that impacts the world. Right. And so there's some element of me that wants to care about that because like, if you're making a jackass of yourself, you're making a jackass of the faith that I'm trying to also, if I'm doing the right things, like share to other people and so there is some element of where it seems like it erodes the witness for all of us when Johnny Numbnuts at the biggest, most hip church ever in the country sleeps around and then there's all this fallout from it. I I don't know. It, it is complex because like, yeah, if we were all, if all pastors were, were caring about shepherding the souls of their specific congregation, then I, then I, I'd, I'd be less inclined to be to be public about asking the questions, but since they're 
not spending the time doing that, but instead spending the time building their platform to sell books and in turn putting, you know, Christianity on this public platform and at risk. It makes me care about it more. I think. Man, we live in a different world. Like uh, a problem for one of my kids is having to wait for me and Priscilla to finish up a conversation so they can show us something on Amazon and ask for our help in buying it for them with their own money. And oh my gosh, talk about a way bigger problem is when we say, you know what, we're not going to get to that tonight. So then they're like, you serious? We can't order something. Now it's going to come in the mail two days from now to our doorstep. Oh, gosh. I am kind of joking around, but I also sincerely appreciate our partnership with Donor C. And this month's opportunity, we are helping a single mom who is raising two little boys $375 is all she needs to start a profitable business that will actually keep her and her kids good to go sustainably and independently for the long haul. She lives in Somalia. Her name is Halim, Halim, Halima. 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 Either way, you get the picture. But she's basically going to set up a little small kiosk, a little shop, selling snacks and candies and biscuits, bottled water, juice, and that sort of thing. She's going to be a little entrepreneur, and she needs our help. And to start a business in America, I might think about that. Think about starting a store in America. We're talking thousands and thousands, ten thousands. She needs $375. If you want to regularly contribute to Donor C through PWNA, just become a patron. And half of what you give me will go to Donor C. Or you can say, look, let me just give to Donor C through Patreon. Give Donor C all of it. Whatever you want, I'll do. Our current patrons, thank you for those of you who have increased your giving. All of that increase has gone to Donor C. So let's help Halima out. You can go to the show notes to see this link. It's DonorC.com forward slash PWNA helps what i love 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 about preachers and sneakers is they have to deal with it like before preachers and sneakers no one addressed it everybody kind of knew what was going on but now there is a dollar figure for that shit that they're wearing and i love it i love it love it love it now let me ask you so i i want to get a little black and white with you too victor is when you when you post the the Stephen Furtick sweatshirt that's cost nine hundred and fifty dollars. What is your attitude towards that? Is it like an eye roll? Like what in the hell is going on out here? You know, or is it just like is are you numb to it? <laughs> like are you just totally numb? It doesn't even bother me anymore. I'm just gonna post stuff. Like what 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 are your feelings when you post stuff now? Yeah, I have a. At first, I was just pumped to find any content and post it because i thought wow this is awesome people think this is hilarious like any new piece of content is going to be awesome and now like since i've spent a couple years on it there's so many things one i'm kind of burnt out on the whole thing just because as an adult man posting about shoes on other people (laughs) for two years eventually it's hard to keep carrying the same as much you did at the beginning um there are some that i'm happy to keep posting about because 
they're clearly never going to address it and clearly are banking. So like specifically Furtick, that dude wears a new designer outfit every week and is unapologetic about it. I don't know if he needs to apologize about it, but he's basically said straight up, like, this isn't my battle to fight. I'm going to keep wearing my St. Laurent stuff new each weekend. Uh, and you know, that's, and that's just like the tip of the iceberg with him. Right. Um, oh, yeah. there's other, there's other people where I like, there's plenty of stuff I've chosen not to post just because I know people are going to be certain people react. Certain people I post about get different reactions. And sometimes I just don't feel like dealing with it because right. I know people are going to be shitty about certain people. And even though it's not my fault, I still have some amount of conscience about the amount of like, I know I'm going to cause, I'm going to cause somebody to be looking at their phone a lot if I post about them. Right. And so there's sometimes where I just don't feel like dealing with it because I know I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to care enough about the comments to want to be in there deleting them. And there's sometimes where I just don't post about it. So, um, it's mixed like some, yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah. And, and with, with Furtick, I actually had a, an elevation intern come on this podcast and I listened t- to it. Took- yeah, took it for a grain of salt. You know, we don't know. I, I told the guy, I said, I, you know, I don't know if you're lying or if you're telling the truth, but right, I have heard. Yeah, I've had heard many things from a trusted friend of mine that that line up with all that stuff, and so I want to be careful with how I say this. I'm not going to say Furtick is a horrible person, but I don't, I don't think he realizes how horrible what he is doing is. Like, I don't. It doesn't register to him that, you know what, what I do, what I buy, what I wear, how I carry myself is just horrible. <laughs> he, he doesn't realize that. And what I what I just don't understand is how does someone, and, and he's an easy one to pick on, but how does someone like him get to that point? I mean, so a, a little bit of his story, I, you know, I know the basics, I mean, but I think it was 2008 he felt called to start a church in a big cities from Monk's Corner, South Carolina, a tiny little town outside of Charleston, moves to Charlotte, starts a church and, you know, basically blows up. Where where did he get to the point where he is una, uh, unapologetic about wearing designer outfits every Sunday? Like, how how does a person get there? Like, to I think the three of us look at it and we're like, that's insanity. Like, to represent the Christian faith in that way is just flat out insane. And I just, that's what really puzzles me is I don't know how people get to that point. Is it a certain personality? Is it a certain DNA makeup? Because here's the the truth about Furtick. The dude is brilliant. He is freaking insanely great at communicating. I mean, he's calculated. The, the dude, would if, if he didn't start a church and he wanted to start a business, it would flourish. I mean, the man he is did. unbelievable. Did, yeah, what, what did he start? Elevation Church. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He did. And Elevation Touché. Worship. Touche. Touche. Yep. Yep. But gosh, this, the stories that I hear about this guy, and I don't want to make it a Stephen Furtick, uh, another Stephen Furtick episode, but the stories I hear, it's just, it's appalling. Yeah, it's I mean, interesting. it's just absolutely appalling. It was very... Um, I was very surprised to learn about because I didn't I didn't know about pastor culture. I just knew about my own pastor right. and before I got into this. But there's plenty of these guys that are just up there at the top by themselves or with their wives and seemingly zero actual accountability or elders or anything. Like I read about a dude this morning that I've posted about that had a second affair 
last this past fall and is back preaching. Like I just can't. Wow. The amount of the amount of like if my pastor. Like my pastor just stepped down for like six, six or seven months because he was getting snappy with people on staff. Like some of these dudes are running multi-million dollar corporations with no accountability and seemingly no consequences for their actions, and we all just expect it to go okay. Like you see the Hillsong stuff happen and all the erosion and you know just dunking on them. Like we think that's just never going to happen again with any of these other right. dudes that are we're literally in his circle and that are all living the same lifestyle as every other celebrity pastor. They're all in one click. Like I just it seems like insanity to me. Yeah. Um and I wouldn't want to play those games if I'm a pastor. Like if you actually take the role of pastor seriously, like oh, God has called me to help shepherd the souls of these people that are trusting me to help lead them. I want to put as many controls in place to not screw it up. And these guys seemingly have zero controls except when it comes to salary committees. They got big old salary committees from all the different other mega churches that sit on all the other salary committees, but everybody else is just running the church by themselves. And that's speaking in pretty wide generalizations, but the big ones, if you look, it's pastor so-and-so and and his wife so-and-so lead such and such church, period. Right. Right. Yeah, well, and I've even heard that a lot of pastors surround themselves with people who are going to be yes, sir, folks about their salary. And there's literally some boards where their goal is to get as much money possible in the pocket of their pastor. Like that, that is the aim. That is what's driving them. Hey, how can we get you the most money? Jack, on the record right now, is Stephen Furtick a horrible, horrible person? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm going to answer this, Joey. I'm not afraid. Um, no, you know. Did you pray before coming on this? Did you fast a little bit? Uh, no. I. Uh, you know, so so here, well, I was thinking when you we were talking about you know, Furtick, I had a couple thoughts. One, and this is going to be Furtick. like just so cliched, but uh, it's actually kind of my answer to like, where do you draw the line with this stuff? Right, right. And it's like, I, I, you know, I think honestly the line runs through each like each individual heart because so like if I'm talking with someone and it's like, Hey, listen, I see what you wear. And Hey, tell me, tell me about that. And and if that conversation has them saying, Hey, listen, I wrestled this for a long time. You know, I, I've talked with, you know, people I'm accountable to about it. I've wrestled with it with my family. I, you know, and here's where I am and here's why I've just kind of said that, Hey boy, um, gosh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but I, I think I have a piece about it. I am way more okay with that, even if I would never do that, than I would be with the people who have zero self-reflection in their life. And that, to me, is, you know, like when when the whole, you know, thing happened with Furtick in the house he was building, like almost 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. the thing that really struck me is um, it's not, like it wasn't the size of the house, like it wasn't any of that stuff. Um, it was the, you know, when uh, some of the stuff he said on stage kind of in response to the, the you know, media uproar. And the thing that really disturbed me was he just was totally puzzled. Like it wasn't like a, they're coming yeah. after, you know, it wasn't like some, you know, demagogue. They're coming after me, but we're in this together. You know, my heart. It was like he, he had no he didn't understand Whoa. what was happening. 
Yeah. Right. He had no idea what was happening and why. He even and, said that it wasn't that big. Yeah, well, right. And so it's like the the total lack of comprehension about why some people might have questions. To me, that is way more concerning yeah, yeah, yeah. than the thing itself. Because what that tells me is one, like again, it's, he, you know, it, it seems like he has no sense of scale, but it also seems that you know, it also makes me wonder how connected can you be to your people if you don't perceive the difference between where you are and where they are. Um, one of the things, so like Michelle Obama did an interview, you know, a few years ago, and one of the reasons she said that. You know, she would not run. She didn't want to run for president. She said that, like, you know, she basically said, I'm paraphrasing. I feel like if you want to be president, you need to be connected with people and you need to understand what people what people's lives are like. And her her deal was like after eight years in the White House, you don't have that anymore. Ever. Like, yeah, right. And she was like, I can't I can't ever have that again. Right. And I and I thought that was, you know, I thought that was a really wise answer because um, and I think it's the same thing for, it should be the same thing for pastors, um, where it's, listen, you know, if you've got a standard of living that your flock could only ever hope to achieve, that's a problem because what you're doing in that circumstance is you're not really holding up, um, if you're supposed to be the, the, you know, someone that they look to and, and say, um, this person is representing Jesus. Cause that's what we're all called to. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have these wildly different representations of Jesus, I think that just becomes very confusing for people. Yes. Um, and you know, like, uh, and I think, you know, Victor, you're like totally right in terms of the, there's, there's definitely a tension in terms of, I am not personally responsible to hold this person to account, but like, if we really think the big C church is a thing, then we are all really responsible for one another as a family. Right. And the other interesting thing is, you know, one of the things I, I, you know, read about a year ago, you know, studying, you know, when Jesus says, um, you know, by this, they will know me, uh, by this, they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And one of the people I read said, you know, it's interesting what Jesus kind of does is he actually puts the world in the driver's seat. He actually gives the world the ability to say, hey, you guys aren't doing what we think Christianity should be. And that's really interesting. In other words, in other words he's saying like, Hey, if the world has no idea that you're my people, that's a problem. And their perception actually does matter. Yeah. He's not saying they get to pick and choose, but he's saying, hey, the perception of the world, it actually really does matter in terms of whether people say that you are recognizably my followers. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. I like Amen. that. Amen. He actually so, knows what he's talking about. Jack, if you'd like to get this premium, I'm, I'm content, all off the top on this. Jack's like, I read this in a book. That's awesome, dude. Victor, so if you know, you said something along the lines of, "Gosh, I, I wish I could remember exactly what you said," but basically, that you know, people are in the they're they're in the driver's seat to keep the celebrity thing from happening. But I I do think of guys that start with great intentions. They feel really stirred in their hearts to to start a certain kind of church, and you know what? They are great. They're great communicators. They're very likable. People want to follow them, and I I do believe there's probably been a lot of them that that started and their hearts were in the right place. Like I wonder what are some things that people can do <laughs> when they're heading in that direction to keep that from happening. Is there like can you keep 
hundreds of thousands of people from downloading your sermon. I mean, you, you can't keep that from happening. So it's like, gosh, how how does someone fight that? Yeah. And, and keep them keep themselves out of that. I don't I don't know if it's I don't know if it's doable. Like I I don't how do you keep yourself from being a celebrity unless you purposely uh, limit the exposure that you have. And I don't think anybody wants to do that. I mean, you didn't want to max out your Preachers and Sneakers Instagram account to 100. I mean, you wanted to blow right. why, why not blow it up? That's right, great. Right. It's fun. So, you know, I don't. Yeah. It's a, that's a, it takes, uh, <clears throat> it takes effort. Uh, you can't, there's reasons uh, some guys are the face of their churches and other guys aren't like they're, I'm just try- guys off the top of my head. Like my friend Jonathan Pacluda in Waco used to be at Watermark. He's pretty popular when it, in terms of preaching and his books are really popular. But there's a difference between his level of self promotion versus a like Mike Todd in Tulsa, where everything is about him. Gotcha. Or e- even got even bigger guys like Andy Stanley and Louis Giglio are incredibly famous f- in the Christian s- sphere. But they're also way less of a brand than Chad Veach and, and Zoe or right. Carl was at Hillsong. Like there, there are steps you can take to. Uh, I think either Todd or John JP said, "Kill the hero." Basically, always fighting against the idea that you're special as a human. Like you may be talented, and and God gives people gifts and talents. And, uh, but the moment that it starts to be about you and only you, you need to have people in your life that are willing to say, Hey dude, you need to shut the hell up. Like this isn't about you. Um, and, but also I don't think any of these guys or the majority of these guys started or even are currently doing any of this maliciously. I think it feels great to have, I, knowing for a fact, it feels great to have news agencies calling you hundreds of thousands of people saying you're awesome, like thinking that you're doing something special. That feels really good, but also that can get real toxic real quick in your head. If you're anything like me where you like that feeling. Um, And so if you don't have people in your life that are willing to say, Hey dude, you're making this a whole lot about you. um, That's foolish. And leading an organization that is, has massive reach and massive financial implications you don't do that. That's foolish. Right. So um, I, guess, yep. I guess to say it's really about the people that you surround yourself with and also just not making extra effort to make it about you. Like right. if your right. church is awesome because of what you did, like try to elevate your church and the people in it that are doing great things. Not about you and how great your sermon is or like a super well-produced hype video. Like nobody's asking for that. Right. Um the church is doing a lot of good things in the world. Highlight that kind of stuff, right. not your own personal brand, bro. Right. And there's an easy do not do list. For example, the first time I ever saw Furtick speak was at a conference. And I'm telling you, he started to take off his jacket. Right as he started taking off the jacket, one of his guys started heading towards the stage. And as Stephen Furtick was teaching, he didn't bat an eye. He wasn't distracted. The jacket was off. He puts the jacket in that dude's hands. That guy turns around and sits down, man. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't make people stand up when you walk into a room. <laughs> right. Don't do that. Like there there's some there's some easy ones there for sure. <laughs> yeah, and there's like a I think there's a an element of wanting to honor people like they're 
There are churches that'll that'll really take care of guests that they have. I think sure. all that's great. Sure. Uh, but once you start introducing people as one of the greatest communicators of our generation, a true hero of the faith, all that kind of stuff, dude. That, right. That's making it about the guy, right? And not ele- pointing to Jesus, and I think that's a that's a dangerous game to play. Yeah, yeah. What I love about our church, and and Jack and I have both kind of said on the record that Seacoast is probably the only church that we could work at. But like, <laughs> I've been in many many meetings where Pastor Greg, our our founding pastor, has walked in. There was not a seat. And a few of us offered our seat, but it was not because we had to. It's because we love our leader and we want to honor him. And every time that happens, he's like, no, 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 no. You know, like, I don't need your seat. You know, I can stand or something like that. And I, I love that culture. I have no problem with honoring someone. My gosh, the dude started a church in 1988, barely fed his kids for a handful of years. And here we are, uh, you know, 32 years later, and we've done some really good things in the Charleston area like that 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 deserves some some honor. I'm curious cuz I don't really keep up a lot with church culture. Like is there a lot of big churches who that that aren't led by celebrity pastors? I would say Seacoast is one of them. Like is is Jack, I mean, do you know uh Vic, do you know is there a lot of churches like Seacoast where they're really really big but the head guy is not a huge name? Is that a thing? I mean, there's a, there, there's a few here in town that I think if if you're in a hardcore Christian circle, you would know who they are. But right. elsewhere, like, and everybody, like, do you know Greg Surratt? Does that name mean anything to you, Greg Surratt? It, uh, uh, yes. Okay. Is he part of uh, Ark? Yeah, yeah. Churches? He, he actually leads the thing. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I, then I know him. I know okay. Ark churches pretty well. They were uh, a lot of their guys ended up on the account, but um, <laughs> mega churches. Well, now that you asked the question, I mean, all the ones that I've had exposure to or that I've gone to usually don't have the whole like they're on the cover of Time magazine celebrity. But right. like there's got in. So I'm in Dallas. Matt Chandler, pretty big name in Christianity, but also is never going to be on Vanity Fair. Right. Uh, and then there's the guys like there's the Trumpy guys like Jack Graham at at um, we call it Six Flags over Jesus, uh, Preston Wood, there's uh, Gateway, all these massive churches that are have big figures in front of them and that, that kind of hang in all the same circles. But again, like nobody at the Times is writing about them. Um, right. And like a Watermark, where I go, they have 10,000 members um, and their pastor, like Todd and the other pastors there are known, like Todd has probably been on Fox News a couple times or like the blaze, but he's never gaining any kind of national attention unless they're like inviting him to speak from the pastor's perspective. So I, yeah. there's ways to do it. Like mega churches, I don't think are bad. I think mega churches are a product of, I mean, they can be a product of really good leadership and really sound teaching and really good fiscal responsibility and team building, all that good stuff. And also they could be, Cancer also grows like bad. A megachurch doesn't necessarily indicate health, but also it's the idea that it's 10,000 members doesn't make it good or bad. Yeah. All right. So I want to I want to talk about your book here in a second, but I, I do have some random questions like how often nowadays do people reach out to you saying, please take that down? Like, do you ever have the the pastor's people reach out to you and say, hey, we're going to do something if you don't take that down right now. <laughs> uh, 
regarding post that that hasn't happened in a while. I've had a few podcast episodes where I've interviewed somebody and they've told stories about a pastor friend of theirs and the pastor has texted that person to text me to edit it out because <laughs> they didn't love it. And me like I'm having to choose between like wanting to keep the friendship with the person that I'm that right. I asked to come on the podcast and like respect their wishes because they don't want to piss their friend off. Uh so it gets kind of complex, but I'm posting a lot less frequently, so it doesn't it doesn't happen as much. And I think people realize that if they wear, hopefully they realize now that if they're going to wear $2,000 boots, they're probably going to end up on the account anyway. So it's kind of more of an accepted <laughs> fact. <laughs> like if you're, if you're, if you're not aware enough to know that this account exists and I'm going to recognize your $2,000 boots, then, uh, more power to you, bro, but I'm definitely not taking it down if that's Man, the case. There's no way of knowing this, but God, I would love to know how many people have rethought what they're going to wear because of you. I would love to know. I would love to know if there was a stat, how many people said, you know what? I'm not going to wear these shoes. Right. <laughs> I, I think love to it's know probably that. a lot. I've done it. I mean, I, I, you know, when you, the whole thing uh, is make, the thing that makes it uncomfortable for a lot of people, the whole discussion is that it, it forces you to have to audit yourself and yep. people don't want to audit how they spend their money or how they present themselves online or how they, uh, you know, the, the heart behind why they buy something or why they post something. Um, and so if you, it's easy for people to comment on other people's lifestyles, but they don't want to audit their own. Right. And, uh, that makes people uncomfortable. So I guess it's made me do the same. Like I had to go audit my Instagram because I was like, dude, there's a few of these things that I posted because I wanted people to think I was awesome. All right. Um, but yeah, I've, I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of people have told me that, like this has made me in some, like in jest, like this has made me rethink wearing these Jordans on stage or then other people genuinely are like, I hadn't thought about this before, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations on such a fruitful ministry, brother. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I was so equipped. I'm so equipped now. There's guys out here like Jack that actually studied church history, and then somehow I get a platform with no credibility and no uh, experience or anything to like butcher theology myself. Like, yeah, yeah. All right. So you started with an Instagram account that blew up, and now you got merch. You got a podcast. What else am I missing beside, but before we get into this book, uh, what else you got going on? That's, that's about it. The merch was purely a supply and demand thing. The only reason I yep. made merch was because people asked for it. Yep. And the moment they stop asking for it, I'm going to stop making it because it's a pain in my ass. Right. But uh, the merch I'm happy about because we were able to raise a ton of money for an anti-sex trafficking organization and then Charity Water, which builds wells for people uh, around the world. And so I recognize the irony about selling merch when it's a whole discussion about consumerism in the church. And but You ain't no church though, man. Right, exactly. Hood, brother. Exactly. And so people don't want to have kind of the nuanced discussion about that. People are like, oh, how ironic. You sell hoodies. They're wearing hoodies. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I'm also not running an, like a retail enterprise through a church. Um, so yeah, the merch, the podcast has been fun. Just we're basically doing this, discussing with interesting people. I'm not saying I'm the interesting person. I'm saying having interesting discussions with interesting people uh, about some of the topics we've talked about and also other stuff. Like my whole goal in life is to make 
make people laugh and make people think. And that's about the extent of what I can guarantee that I can do. Um, and so I tried to do that through the podcast, but overall that's, that's about it. I mean, I continue to do the Instagram and the Twitter thing, but I'm looking forward to uh, maybe branching out a little bit in the future. Sweet. Sweet. So am I correct that the book is Preachers and Sneakers, Authenticity in an Age of For-Profit Faith and Wannabe Celebrities? Is that the subtitle? Yep. 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 Well, tell us about it. I mean, I think it's fairly straightforward what it's about, but give us kind of a little snapshot. Yeah. So I, I wrote it in hopes of a couple things, showing people my own perspective about the whole thing and try to show people that I'm not a troll and that I actually care about the flourishing of Christians and the church and the world. And, uh, even though I'm an idiot, like here's, here's how I view some of these things. Have you ever considered it this way? Um, and then a big part of it is digging into the deeper questions that the account brought up by no effort of my own, but basically talking about what do we do with Christian celebrities? Is there, is it okay to get rich off of God? And if so, why do we get so mad when pastors do, um, are we causing people to sin when we post on social media about our lifestyle? Um, should pastors use their platforms to influence political? Like, I think it's, should pastors use their platform for political gain? Um, call out culture and like Christians specifically, is there ever a time where it's okay to uh, leverage platforms to basically call things out that we see as important enough to call out? Um, so a lot of like headier topics that, I never could have thought came from would come from sneakers, but uh, it's that it's based around the chapters are based around a question. And I give some stories about the account. Also pull out some research that I found some, some biblical wisdom and also a lot of like self critique. Like I try to be to show people that like, look, I, I recognize I did 92 things very poorly with this whole thing. Please know that I don't, claim to have all the answers with this stuff. Um, so, so far the reception has been good for the few people that have read it and I'm, I'm hoping that it's received well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jack has been texting me. He, he wants to know if you need a shoe researcher. <laughs> hey, any help I, I can get. That would be a mistake. <laughs> I don't know if I can pay the pastor prices that they've been paying you for their research, but. Can't afford me, Victor. <laughs> 